Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Uh, greetings, everyone. And uh, I want to begin with uh, opening up with prayer as we prepare our hearts uh, to receive the word this afternoon or wherever you may be. It's vitally important that when we approach the word, we approach that word according to what the scripture says, with meekness, with faith, with humility, with an open heart and with an open mind to hear and receive that implanted word which the word says is able to save our souls or to renew our minds thank god for the word and so in prayer what we do is we shift our focus from everything around us and we set our minds and our hearts towards the lord who is the giver of all good things. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your precious word. We thank you for the finished work of Christ on the cross of Calvary. We thank you for the person of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. You have sent him to us to be our faithful companion, our comforter, our teacher, our guide, and tonight we honor you, Holy Spirit. We present ourselves to you and we ask that you would give us revelation, knowledge and understanding of our Heavenly Father's word. Minister to us and open our ears, our eyes that we are able to see, to perceive, to hear, to understand your precious word. And we thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I want to share this uh, before we go into the word uh, later on. And uh, as I was praying in the spirit, I heard the word of the Lord coming to me, saying the following. Quickly, I took down uh, my notebook and I took a piece of paper and, a, and um, a, a pen and I began to write that which I heard from the Spirit of God. And this is what he shared with me. He said, son, you need to understand that there are certain individuals in your life that hold the key to your destiny and to your future. And he said, they will not lift a finger to do anything for you unless I instruct them to. And then he went on to say that he will instruct them to assist and to help us if we will honor those individuals. And he went on to say that honor is the key that unlocks favor, rewards, blessings, both spiritual as well as material, and the key 
that unlocks all of these blessings is called honor. And then he went on to say that there are some of us today that need to hear this word and they need to act upon this revelation. Struggling. There may be some of us here today on the screen or in our spiritual family as a whole. That's why I want this word to be distributed widely to our spiritual family, to every member, every partner. He said some of us may be struggling today, either spiritually, relationally, or financially, or even in all these areas. And one of the main reasons could be a lack of honor towards those that hold the key to our future and our destiny. And then he went on to say, we need to recognize them who they are in the spirit because they are vitally important in our lives. And we need to recognize them and honor them, he said, in a practical and tangible way. And then he reminded me <clears throat> of my own life early in my Christian walk. I had a lot of, um, a lot of clashes, uh, particularly with my father-in-law, a good man, honorable man, but um, I didn't realize it at first that he was the man whom God has set over my life, uh, not only to bless me, but to correct me. And I wouldn't take correction very well. And I recall that uh, as a result of my belief and my faith in God and my faith in Jesus Christ, when I began to follow the Lord and commit my life to him, it was misunderstood by the Greek priests, which they have influenced my father-in-law uh, in a negative way towards me. And I recall I was kicked out of the house twice. We didn't have a good relationship. And, um, and, and, and primarily because I reacted in a very negative way towards this. And one day in prayer, the Lord began to minister to me and reveal to me the key to a breakthrough. And that key was honoring. And I sat down, I recall, I sat down and I wrote him a long letter. And in that letter, I expressed my gratitude towards him. I expressed, first of all, I repented for my rebellion, my disobedience and, and the way that I reacted towards him. And I promised that I would honor him and I would obey and submit to him because uh, he, he wanted to, um, how could I, put, he wanted the best of me. And there were times when he corrected me, not gently, but severely. <laughs> I recall I went to him once, I was, I was running uh, short of uh, money and um, before my payday and I went to him and I said, uh, dad, I need some money because I have some commitments that I, I need to really honor them. 
And my goodness, he set me down and he gave me such a lesson. I, I said, I will never again go to him and ask for any, any withdrawal from my salary before the time. And uh, I never went anyway. That was the only time. But he was very hard on me. And so when I realized that, and when I put pen to paper and sent that letter, I recall even to the point in those days, I had a beautiful beard that I trimmed and I looked after every day, but he hated the beard. He said, this is for lazy people, man. Shave your beard off every day. When he saw me every time, he would harp on my beard. But after the Lord had shown me that, I submitted, I shaved the beard. And there was one thing that I would not obey him. And I told him so because he wanted me to stop going to that particular church. And I said, Dad, I will obey and submit in every other area. But please, this is against scripture and against the word of God, because the word of God says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. In that way, I will not submit nor obey well to cut a long story short from the day i wrote that letter to him it was like heaven opened over my life and i wonder where would i be today if it wasn't for the kindness and the generosity of that man you see he held the key not only to my future but also to my financial welfare and then there was a breakthrough that came. The breakthrough came in many different forms. I began to grow by leaps and bounds spiritually. I began to grow financially and in every sphere of my, of my walk with the Lord. And, um, and the Lord reminded me today after he had given me that word. So <clears throat> you, need to, you, you may say, well, we ought to honor God. That's true. The first person we need to honor is God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. But God delegated his authority to men as well. And you need to recognize who those individuals are and honor them. And if you are not knowledgeable enough concerning this key of honor or the revelation of honor, I want to encourage you to get this book by John Bevere. I have studied it. I have read it. I have listened to his messages on, on DVD, and it's called Honor's Reward, How to Attract God's Favor and Blessing, so that you may be well informed how the, the, the key or the revelation to honoring is vitally important in any person's life, whether you are a Christian or not. And so that was what I wanted to share with you. And so let's pray before we go on and ask the Lord to give us understanding concerning this revelation. And also for you to have your spiritual sight open to see. You know, the problem that I had with my father-in-law is I kept seeing the man rather than God behind the man whom God was anointing and using in my life to shape me and to point me and direct me 
in the right way. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you for the principle of honor. And we pray today that you would open our eyes to see and understand how this principle works. We pray that you would show us the people in our lives who hold the key to our future and our destiny in Christ and enable us to honor them in a tangible and in a practical way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. That's the first people we ought to honor, both natural and spiritual parents. Amen. That's that. Are you ready for the word now that I prepared all week long? Praise the Lord. What I want to share with you today is something that's been on my heart for several days. I don't recall ever teaching online on this particular subject. Or, uh, or even in church, as far as I can remember. But I believe it's an important topic or subject that we should pay careful attention to, study it, and find out what the Word of God has to say about it. And you and I know that living in a hostile world, in a world that hates God's, hates its values and the principles of the kingdom of God, we are presented every single day with many temptations and many traps that are laid out for us by the enemy in order to destroy our good name and our testimony in Christ Jesus. One of those traps that uh, so many of us fall into it so easily because we consider it as normal and as right and as what we are expected to do is what I call the depth, the debt trap. Are you still with me? I see your 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 screen is gone. Can you still hear me? Can I hear you? Can I see your hand? Thank you. It is what I call the debt trap, being in excessive debt. Now, let's, let's look at and let's read what the Bible says concerning this important subject. It is a subject that we, that we come, that we live with it every day because in our culture, debt is normal. Uh, we are taught from a very young age how to borrow and pay back, and we borrow for anything and everything. Listen to what the Lord says in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 7. It says, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. That's why I've asked Stephen to put it on the screen. Some of you may not have your Bibles available. I've asked him to put these scriptures on the screen. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Let's go to the next one. Proverbs 22, verse 26 and 27. 
Proverbs 22, verse 26 and 27. Be not one of those who give pledges, who put up security for debts. If you have nothing which, with which to pay, why should your bed be taken from under you? Be not one of those who give pledges, who put up security for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should your bed be taken from under you? In the New Testament, Romans chapter 13 and verse 8. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans uh, in, in, uh, in his epistle. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The Bible says that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. We've already looked at three witnesses in the scripture, and that tells me that the principle or the value of staying away from debt is one of the values of the kingdom of God. Well, you may say, how can we in today's age live? without borrowing. Well, for man it is impossible, but nothing is impossible to them who believe in God. I want you to remember that. And I will give you testimony after testimony that it is possible to live a debt-free life, to be financially independent from the world's systems that seek to enslave, to harass, and cause so many problems in Christians' lives today and in ordinary people's lives. So let me, let me clarify this. I did not say it's a sin to borrow because in some cases it's unavoidable. But I believe in most cases it can be avoided by prayer and by following the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm talking about personal debt. I'm not talking about if you're in business or if you are investing in property, that's another story altogether because your investment will generate an income. You're using someone else's money to make money. Are we are we clear on this? All right. And I want us to take a look at a verse of scripture from Second Kings, we've talked about the widow with the jar of oil and the miracle that she received as she listened and acted upon the word that the prophet gave her. But we're going to read just one verse, verse 1 from Second Kings chapter 4. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Here we see a God-fearing man. This man was a servant to the prophet Elisha. He served Elisha. Probably he was on his ministry team. 
He was a God-fearing person who suddenly died and left his family with a debt they could not pay. His debt, as we can see here from the scripture, that threatened to disperse and enslave his family. Terrible situation. So today, if you can't pay your debts, they're not going to take your children away. But I'll tell you this, they're going to take everything else you own, including your name, and in the process, destroy your good testimony as a Christian. And one of the things that we do have that we must guard prayerfully and carefully is our testimony as a believer in Jesus Christ. Because the world is looking at us. Amen. You are the gospel sometimes that they will, that, that they see, that they study, that they follow. That So we need to be an example, not only to those around us, but to the entire world. So the enemy will try to destroy that good name, to destroy your testimony, if you get into such a situation. On the other hand, if you can furnish your debt, in most cases, you will end up spending your life working to pay your debts. That means you are actually working for them, for those who have loaned you the money, for the banks, whoever, the ones that have loaned you. You are actually working for them. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28 says. Ephesians 4 and verse 28. If you can put that up on the screen, please, Stephen. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let's read that again. Let him who stole steal no longer. Remember, he's writing to Christians. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has a need. Please notice that the scripture says to labor, to work with our hands in order to have something to give. It does not say that we are to labor, to work with our hands, what is good, in order to pay our debts. Does it say that? No. Uh, you may say, oh, pastor, you are taking this to the extreme. Am I? Here is a lesson for us to learn from the passage of scripture that we read in 2 Kings chapter 4. Just because a person is a believer or a God-fearing person doesn't mean that he or she is wise enough when it comes to the financial affairs. And I've witnessed this many times among believers. And all of us have heard from time to time, we hear of Christians losing their life savings in some pyramid scheme or investing in places that promise a huge return only to be cheated out of the livelihood. Last Sunday, I was watching Carte Blanche, and there was a documentary about a number of people. Some of them were godly people. One of them was a pastor. 
who lost his entire retirement savings because he trusted a so-called friend to invest his money. And he ended up losing everything. Now, at the age of 70 years, he, he, he lost all of his savings, all of his retirement, and now he's stranded. He may have to go back to work at that age in order to earn a living. What a tragedy. These are unwise decisions, not decisions that are being led and guided by the Holy Spirit. And this guy stole from several people. I'm talking about hundreds and thousands of rags. Just a couple of months ago, I was having lunch with a Christian businessman. He is thoroughly born again and he's spirit filled. I've known him for a while. And he related to me that he lost, listen carefully, it will shock you. He lost 23 million rand by investing in the wrong place and in the wrong business. Gone. 23 million rand. Uh, it's about now one, probably one and a half million dollars US. You see, unwise decisions, folks lead to poverty and misery, not only for the individuals themselves, but also for their entire families. Not, not only that, what shocks me as a believer, as a, as, a, as a minister of the gospel, most church organizations are hugely in debt and most of the people's giving, their tithes, their offerings, go towards furnishing their debt rather than releasing people into the ministry. And the, that's a clear violation of God's law, God's principle. Tithes are supposed to be given to be released to those whom God has set apart for his work, for ministers of the gospel. To take that money and to plow it into debt, I don't believe it's, it's what God requires of any church, to be honest with you. A disciple of Christ ought to pay close attention, I believe, to his financial affairs and protect his integrity and his testimony in these matters. And remember, as I have mentioned to you, we live in a culture in which debt is a way of life. From a young age, we are taught, even our children, to borrow for anything and everything. We have student loans, we have furniture loans, we have car loans, we have home loans, and most of us are enslaved by a worldly system that keeps us in perpetual state of borrowing. And that ought not to be so, my brother, my sister. Over the years, I have counseled many a believer who just couldn't stay out of debt. They would get out of one debt only to go into the next one. They would get out of one debt only to go into the next one, like a cycle that they couldn't break. They couldn't stay away from debt. And the world is heavily in debt. Entire nations are in debt. Millions and trillions of dollars, they go into debt. But the sad part, 
is that most of the Christians are head over heels in debt. We spend our lives furnishing our debts. The Bible doesn't say, as I mentioned to you, that borrowing is a sin, but it does say that the borrower is the slave of the lender. Just take that into consideration. It restricts you financially. You're not free. And not only that, debt, excessive debt, kills generosity. And God wants us to be generous, to be givers, not just to his work, but also to those all around us who are in need. But if you are in debt, you are restricted. You cannot give. God tells you to give something and you don't have it. Amen? Now, why am I saying all of this? To come to this, the Bible teaches us that there is a better way to live, and that is being debt-free. There is a higher dimension of living when it comes to these matters, and it is living by the principles of the kingdom of God. And the arch foundational principle, it's recorded in Matthew 6, verse 33. The Lord Jesus gave us a kingdom principle by which we live. And as we follow and practice that principle consistently, the Bible says that all of these things shall be added to us. Here it is. All of us know this verse of scripture. Matthew 6:33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added to you. Seek first, not second, not third. Not what's important to you, not it's what in line with your interests, but what is the interests of the kingdom of God? Above all, first, the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all of these things. What things? Everything that we need to live a godly life will be added to us. Listen, God, the Bible says, adds to us, not take away from us. And the Bible also says that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and it adds no sorrow to it. What a blessing. When God blesses you financially, there's no sorrow in it. There's no pain in it. There's no labor in it because it comes directly from God as a blessing. Amen. Second Peter chapter one, verse three. Listen to what Peter says. Second Peter chapter one, verse three. His divine power has given to us all things, notice the all, please, A-L-L, -L, all things. All things means all things, both spiritual and material, that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And I've already mentioned this verse. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. 
What a blessing. Can you put that up, please, Stephen? There you go. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he has no sorrow to it. Now, rich means, doesn't mean what you may think it means. It simply means you have all sufficiency to meet all your needs as well as the needs of others who might be in need around you. Amen? Here is another promise, one of my favorites. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able. Did you hear that, church? God is able to do what? To make all grace abound toward you that you, say me, yes, you, always having all sufficiency in all things, notice the all again, may have how much? An abundance for what? For every good work. That's where the goal is. That's where God wants you and I to be. Amen. All of these promises testify that God, our Heavenly Father, is interested in all of our affairs of life, and provision is one of them. Amen? Provision is one of them. He says he will supply all our needs if we trust him to do so, and he has a way of doing it, folks, which is not the world's way. Are you with me? Are you listening to me? It is not the world's way. It is God's way. And I know I've proved it. I've lived this way. My wife and I have lived this way by these principles for 45 years. When I found out about God's financial plan. Yeah, there's a, there's a key here. There's a secret here. You've got to educate yourself and renew your mind concerning God's financial plan. And it is not a worldly financial plan. That is why I believe that Christians is time for us to, to transition from the worldly financial systems to God financial system. Because the day will come when we will have no choice. And it's better to do it now while we have the time. I studied the, God, the, the financial plan of God. I studied it for myself. I spent hours searching the scriptures and attending to wholesome teaching by reputable and anointed men and women of God. And I'm talking about hours upon hours, searching it diligently, studying, listening to the word, going to the Bible, underlining the scriptures, learning those scriptures, meditating on them regularly, feeding my spirit before we make the decision to step out. Amen. God's spirit has, has, has led us and guided us, I would say, and all glory to God, to stay out of debt by carefully and prayerfully following the leading and the wisdom of God in all of our financial affairs, both wise investments from purchasing things we needed to making investments. I hate literally any kind of debt. I don't like owing anybody. You know, I use my credit card 
to 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 my advantage but as soon as the statement comes i pay them three weeks before it's time i, I don't like to owe anybody anything that's that is how i am that is how i've i've i've, I've lived and i continue to do it that way with with my wife you know <clears throat> Uh, my time is running out, and I want to leave some time uh, so that we can pray. We have a number of a number of prayer requests that I want us to uh, to focus on and pray. But um, I recall when we were in Zimbabwe, being in business with my wife, we we owned uh, a supermarket, and um, through it, the Lord provided richly for us anything we needed. We would pay cash for it, including our own vehicles. We never borrowed. And um, but when I stepped out into the ministry and came down to South Africa to start a church, things were very different. I remember that we lived on a very low salary with three children uh, growing up, needed education and, and all of that. But the wonderful thing, when we moved out of Zimbabwe, we sold our business, we sold our house. And when we came into South Africa, on our permanent residence, home affairs declared us financially independent. We bought our house in cash. We bought our vehicles. So I could live on a very small and meager salary because the church that we started uh, couldn't afford to pay as much. And it was fine. But, um, you know, so we learned more and more to trust God and to live by faith. I would talk to God about our finances regularly. I would converse with him. I remember years ago, I said, Lord, it's time for me to get a new car. My car is getting old, but I don't want to go to the bank. I don't want to borrow money. And the Lord took me up on the challenge. He said, okay. In prayer, I listened. I prayed. And I waited upon God to minister to me his plan how to go about it. So the Lord led me and he said, I want you to give this, this sum of money to a couple who are trying to buy their own vehicle. So I put it in an envelope. I went to them. I related to them. The Lord spoke to me. He said, I must give you this money. I released it, but I released it on purpose waiting and believing for the harvest and i did that on purpose because the bible teaches me to do that he said give thank god we give but we also must learn how to receive and the bible says it shall be given back to you again not the same measure but pressed down shaken together running over shall men give into your bosom so as i release that that money, I believe, I believe in the return of my sowing. Imagine a farmer who goes out planting his seed into huge hectares of, of land, and he doesn't expect to get a, a return on it. Nobody does that. Yet some Christians do that. Anyway, months went by. Nothing. No harvest coming in. So I thought, well. I started to doubt. 
maybe I should go to the bank. I contemplated, and while I was doing my sums, I could easily see that I could afford to pay the payments on this car. And right in the middle of my making these, uh, these calculations, the Spirit of God broke through and he said, son, you want to do it the world's way or you want to do it my way? Straight away, I repented. I said, God, forgive me. I repent for doubting your word. And I got back on track. Within a few months' time, my harvest came in, and I went to the garage. I paid for the car cash, and, and that's how it happened. And you know what? Within nine years, nine years, we bought three cars the same way that I related to you. And if I can do it, you can do it. Why am I sharing this with you? So to put you under a guilt trip because you borrow? No, a thousand times no. I want to inspire you and I want to teach you that there is a better way if you choose to live this way. It's all a matter of a decision. Amen. Are you still with me? Praise God. God is good. His word is good. Cultivating our relationship with the Lord Jesus and being intimate with the Holy Spirit places us in a position to converse with God about matters such as these. Well, you may say, well, no, God never talks to me about these things. Yeah, I know, because you never talk to him about it. Do you know what? If you don't talk to God about these things, God won't talk to you about them. He's a gentleman. He will not push his way into anyone's life. But if you seek him, if you inquire of him, he will always be there to guide you and to lead you. And I, I, I encourage you to talk to God about all of these things. Because what concerns you, it concerns God. You are his. Your testimony is precious. Your financial freedom is precious. And note this. The sums of funds that God led me to sow was over and above my tithes and my offerings. Amen. We need to trust God. We need to trust his word. The Bible says, trust me in this. That's the only place the Bible says, or the Lord says, trust me in this. It's in your financial matters. Trust me in this, he says. So I said, yes, I'm going to trust you, Lord, and I'm going to step out in faith. And thanks be to God. I discovered that his word always works. Amen. Job 22, 28, the final scripture that I will read to you. This has been a tremendous blessing, this verse of scripture to me. It says, you will decide on a matter and it will be established for you and light will shine on your ways. You will decide on a matter. Where do I begin? Make a quality decision. Start with little things. Don't start with big things. Trust God to bless you with a pair of socks or with a new Bible. Learn to rely on God for everything. That's how we, we cultivate and we cause our faith to grow when we exercise it and when we put it into use. You will decide on a matter, and it will be established what you decide, and light, that means favor and grace, will shine on your ways. Father, we thank you for the ministry of your word. We thank you 
that you have given us this precious word to trust, to rely, and to depend on. Teach us how to do this, even in this matter of our lives, which is so important, Lord, for all of us. Teach us how to trust you in these financial matters, to look after our financial affairs, to be wise stewards, and to, to make adequate provision for our family, for those even who will come after us. The Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Father, we pray for wisdom in these areas. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.